Well, this man has clearly found something that enables him to stand in an uncertain and changing world, and he tells us what it is. And it's right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. I am not ashamed because… Now, here's the reason. I know whom I have believed. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, what jumped out at me in that passage is the word whom. He's not talking about an idea or a fact. He's talking about a person. Yeah, it's personal. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So when your back's against the wall, as Paul's clearly was when he wrote these words, I mean, he's in prison, he's coming towards the end of his life, so he's facing a great test. And what does he fall back on at that moment? He doesn't say, well, you know, I remember my conversion story on the Damascus Road. He, d- he doesn't go back to when he became a Christian. He, he doesn't go through a list of uh, the main doctrines of the Christian faith. These are all wonderful things. But where he falls back is the person of Jesus Christ. I, I'm trusting him. What a person we're able to trust. The Savior who in the darkest moments of our life will stand with us and never fail us. This is the very heart of faith. It's personal and it's in Jesus. So today we're continuing in the second book of Timothy, chapter 1. So I hope you'll join us there if you can as we begin the new message, Supreme Competence. Here's Colin. Would you open your Bibles, please, at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, the marvelous, marvelous statement of Scripture. It is so rich and speaks to the greatest realities and greatest trials of all of our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul speaks of how he is a herald, an apostle, and a teacher, and he says, that is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted to Him for that day. Now, we've called this series Christian Confidence in an Uncertain World, and it's really about how we're going to face life with all its uncertainty. How do you navigate the more ordinary changes of life? Last Sunday, um, our youngest son, David, graduated from high school. And uh, on the same weekend, we were invited to be guests at the seniors' breakfast. They have a marvelous group that gathers at the town and country buffet once a month. And uh, I told them that our youngest son was graduating high school and that we had decided to celebrate by joining the seniors for breakfast. Um, Several folks afterwards did assure me that there is indeed a short interval between being an empty nester and the seniors' breakfast. But uh, my observation is that if that goes as quickly as the interval between our boys being born and them going off to college, then that won't be very long. How do you navigate the changes of life? 
How do you face when you come to it your 40th birthday? How do you face your 80th birthday when you know that God has said that the normal span of a human life is 70 years, and to some, more is given if they have the strength? How do you face the doubts and fears that are going to come with changes in your health, your life at home, at work, even your ministry in the church? How are you going to face disappointment? Uh, how are you going to stand through an experience of bereavement or loss? Now, you see, these are the great questions that are before us today. They are the questions that are always before us because they are the questions of life. And many of us are struggling with these questions right now. Things are changing around us. How are you going to face that as a Christian? How are you going to find the strength to work through it? Now, the Apostle Paul has something to share with us out of his own experience, and it's important that it comes out of his own experience because you know that it's easy for a man to write books if he's sitting in a cabin overlooking a lakeside talking theory about things that he's never experienced, but that is not what we have here. We remembered uh, last time that Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Uh, William Hendrickson describes his situation memorably by saying Paul was incarcerated in some dismal underground dungeon with a hole in the ceiling for light and air. Picture that. Picture yourself there. Imagine it. He was experiencing, we saw last time, great loneliness. He'd come through extraordinary disappointment. He knew that he did not have much longer to live. So his situation, I think, by any reckoning, looked pretty bleak. But he had a pen and he had some paper, and sitting in the dark hole, he writes to his friend Timothy, who he'd been mentoring for many years. Paul was obviously concerned about Timothy, as he wrote, because Timothy was the kind who is nervous by disposition, the kind of person who always fears the worst. And his natural tendency, Timothy's natural tendency, would have been to buckle under pressure. And Paul knows that even the knowledge of his own situation would be the kind of thing that would send young Timothy into a tailspin very easily. And so he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that Timothy will know how to stand in the pressure of a changing world. And we looked last time at what Paul says in verse 8 to 11. Timothy, whatever happens in your life, you can trace it there, 8 to 11. This is what you need to know. In Christ, you are saved. You're a saved person. And in Christ, Timothy, whatever happens, you are called to a holy life. And in Christ, God's purpose is that you will reflect the glory of Jesus in time and eternity. Timothy, that's what I'm holding on to right here in this dark hole of a prison cell. Jesus Christ has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so, Timothy, I have to tell you that though I'm facing dark times right now, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. That's what he's saying. Now, that's impressive. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have to say for myself, I want to know more about how to live with that kind of confidence in the hardest situations. In fact, it's hard to imagine anything that we need more. 
And that is why it is so valuable that we have the privilege of studying this verse together. Of course, the remarkable thing is that what we see here is not just a one-time effort in which Paul kind of puts a brave face on uh, things to keep his young friend cheerful. You know, anyone can do that for a limited period of time, but there's more to it with Paul. This is the character of the man. Remember, we're told earlier from his life in the Acts of the Apostles about a time, another time when Paul and Silas were in prison. And in the middle of the night, what do we find them doing? They are singing. What makes it possible for a man to sing in prison? And that's worth knowing. What is it that makes it possible for a man to endure what Paul endured and then to have this confidence, this assurance, this peace, and even this joy? Well, this man has clearly found something that enables him to stand in an uncertain and changing world, and he tells us what it is. And it's right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. I am not ashamed because… Now, here's the reason. I know whom I have believed. We're just going to focus on these six words this morning. I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. Timothy, that's how I'm facing all that's around me right now. I know whom I have believed. Now, of course, he's talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you have your Bible open, you'll see that Jesus is clearly the subject of all that he's saying here. He tells us how God has saved us by His grace, and then tells us in verse 9 that that grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Then verse 10, but now it has been revealed to us through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And he says, it's because of this gospel that I'm suffering as I am, but I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message Supreme Competence, part of our series, One Thing I Know. So we've just begun to look at the words of the Apostle Paul, I know whom I have believed. And I hope you'll stay with us. We'll get back to the message in just a moment. If you tuned in late or if you want to go back and listen to some of the message again, you can always do that by coming online. Come to our website, openthebible.org.uk. You can also find us as a podcast. Search on your favourite podcast site for Open the Bible UK. Back to the message now. Here's Colin. So I want us just to soak these six words that were life-changing for the Apostle Paul and their reality into our own minds and our own hearts this morning. I want us to come to the place where you could say with the same conviction as the Apostle Paul, I know whom I have believed. As we try and turn this truth over in our minds, let me turn it, as it were, three ways. The first is simply this, that Christian faith is focused on a person. I know whom I have believed. 
Christian faith is focused on a person. Now, I've been helped to see the importance of this by thinking about what Paul didn't say. He didn't say, I know what I have believed. That would have been the language of systematic theology. Now, it's important to know what you believe. We set out what we believe in a statement of faith. Christians have done that throughout history. You know, what we believe about God, what we believe about Christ and salvation and justification by faith and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul knew all of these things. I mean, remember, he wrote the book of Romans, so he knew what he believed. But when he finds himself in a black hole, that's not where he goes. You don't find the man of God in the time of his greatest trouble saying, I know my doctrine. That's not what he says. You find him saying, I know Jesus Christ. It's not what I've believed, it's whom I have believed. Then think about this. He didn't say, I know when I believed. That would have been the language of personal testimony. Now, every Christian has a story of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. You may not remember the exact time or place, but you have, if you are a Christian, a personal story of how the Lord Jesus Christ has drawn you to faith in Himself. Now, think about it. No one could have had a more impressive story than the Apostle Paul. I mean, think what he could have said. Here I am in prison, but I am not ashamed because Thirty years ago, Christ appeared to me personally on the Damascus Road, and that was when I knelt in the dust and received Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. He could have said that, but he didn't. Why? Because if you are to stand in this uncertain and changing world, you need more than the language of personal testimony. You can't face a faith crisis today on the basis of a faith journey yesterday. You can't face today's problems with yesterday's experience. And Paul isn't living in the past. He isn't reaching back to when he once had an experience of Christ. It isn't, I know when I believed. It is, I know whom I have believed. Think of one more possible alternative that occurs to me. He didn't say, I know why I believed. That would have been the language of evidential apologetics. Bit of a mouthful, but throughout history, Christian thinkers have been concerned to set out the evidence for faith, showing that it is a reasonable and a rational thing to believe in God and to believe in the Bible. Uh, this has been an important work throughout history. I think at a popular level, one of the most effective apologists of our time is Lee Strobel. Thank God for his ministry. He has a whole series of books setting out the evidence for faith, the case for Christ, the case for faith, the case for a Creator, and so forth. It's important to know why you believe. Christian faith is not a blind leap in the dark, and there are good reasons for believing that the Bible is the Word of God and that Jesus is the Son of God. And Paul knew all about that. He had one of the greatest intellects in human history, trained in the school of Gamaliel. He could debate with the Greek philosophers. He could debate with the Jewish rabbis. But when he finds himself in a black hole, 
He doesn't go to rational arguments about faith. He doesn't say, I know why I have believed and try and come up with answers to every question that occurs to his mind. No, this is what he does. He says, I know whom I have believed. Now, you see, that is the language of biblical faith. Because Christian faith uniquely is focused on a person, the blessed person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You need to grasp that this is uniquely Christian. Other religions offer you a way of life. Other religions can offer you an ethic. Other religions can offer to you a set of spiritual disciplines, but Christianity offers to you a person, and His name is Jesus. And no matter what you face in your life, this person will be with you. That is the promise of the gospel. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will guide you through whatever you face in your life. He will walk with you whenever the moment of your death comes, and He will bring you into eternity in the presence of Almighty God. He is supremely competent, and you can trust Him completely. And when Paul finds himself in a black hole, this is where he gains strength. Timothy, this is where you need to go. I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. There's a great hymn that catches what Paul says here. You know that one, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And it's got this great line in it. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now, you see, that is Christian testimony, Christian conviction, Christian faith. It is focused on a person. I know whom I have believed. Now, a second thing follows from that very obviously, and it's simply this, that Christian faith is a relationship with this person. Let me emphasize the text this way. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I know Him. There's relationship here. My faith is focused on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the wonderful thing is that to me, He is not simply a figure of history. I know Him. I have come to know Him in a personal way in my life. And this reminds us of some things that we desperately need to grasp. The first is that Christianity, therefore, is more than morality. See, morality is important, but morality will never give you joy and victory when you find yourself in trouble. Morality will not help you navigate through the changes of life. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes this point well. I, I just love this quote. He says, the apostle is not saying, I am happy in prison because 
Ever since I heard the teaching of Jesus, I've been doing my best to put it into practice. So doing your best to put the teaching of Jesus into practice. Morality will not give you joy and victory when you're sitting in a dark hole in prison. Morality will not help you when you face the loss of health or a loved one. Being an upright person, trying to follow the example of Jesus is fine as long as everything is well in your life, but when your back is against the wall, you need more than morality. You need the power and the presence of Jesus in your life. It reminds us, I think, that being a Christian is more than spirituality, and a lot of people are confused over this today. The vast majority of people, if you ask them, in our country today will say to you that spirituality is important to them, but you know, it takes more than spirituality to face life in this uncertain world. You say, what's the difference then between spirituality and Christian faith that Paul is describing here? Think of it this way. This is an analogy. I have a capacity to love but I got something even better than that. I have a relationship of love with my wife. Now, I don't find joy and strength in the capacity to love. I find joy and strength in the relationship of love that I enjoy with my wife. Now, apply that to spirituality. You see, spirituality is an attempt to develop the human spiritual capacity. But the capacity of your spirit will not and cannot be fulfilled unless there is someone whose spirit can become one with your spirit, and that is precisely the promise of Jesus in the gospel, my spirit I will give to you. Christianity is a relationship with this person, Jesus Christ. It is knowing His power and His presence with you in everything and anything that you face in your life so that Paul can say in the darkest of situations, I know whom I have believed. A reminder today that Christianity is a faith in a person, not in an idea or custom, and a relationship with that person, Jesus. Maybe as you listen, you realize that you don't have the kind of relationship in the way that we often talk about on Open the Bible, but that you'd like to. If that's your experience, you may well have questions about the Christian life, and we'd encourage you to approach a trusted Christian friend or family member, or maybe go along to a local Christian fellowship, talk to the pastor there, or to anyone in that fellowship. You'll be sure of a warm welcome, and people will understand the questions that you're asking and help you in your search for faith in Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Open the Bible, and today's message, Christian Competence, from our series, One Thing I Know, about Christian confidence in an uncertain world. And if you've missed any of the series, or if you want to go back and listen again, don't forget you can always do that by coming online to our website, openthebible.org.uk, or by finding us as a podcast if that's an easier way for you to listen to Pastor Collins' teaching. You can find the podcast on any of your regular podcasting sites. Search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. As we approach the end of the year, I know many people are considering making an end-of-year gift, and we'd like to ask you to consider making an end-of-year gift to this ministry. 
You can make a gift today through our website, openthebible.org.uk. Thank you for prayerfully considering a year-end gift. One of the greatest joys and encouragements to me is just to hear from people how the Lord is using the ministry of Open the Bible in their lives. And uh, if that has been your experience, that God has blessed you through the ministry, then praise God for that. His word accomplishes the purpose for which he sends it. And if he's doing that in your life, that to me is just the greatest joy. And if you're experiencing God's blessing in that way, then it would be a great blessing to the ministry of Open the Bible if you were able to help us with a gift as we come towards this year end. Give where God has brought blessing to you. And if that has been your experience, then it would be a blessing to us if you're able to support the ministry. Thank you so much. The encouragement and the testimony of all who are partners with this ministry sustains the work and brings joy to all of our hearts as we serve together to advance the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, our website address is openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and we'd like to thank you for being with us today and hope to see you again soon. The Christian faith is primarily about a relationship with a person. Find out more about it next time on Open the Bible.